we were singing about foundation. We need a foundation when it comes to the Holy Spirit, amen? Like, why do we talk about the Holy Spirit so much? Why do we teach about the Holy Spirit? And, and listen, there's other churches that do a whole lot more than us, but how many of you know there's a lot of churches that don't talk hardly at all about the Holy Spirit? And uh, that's why I kind of subtitled this, if you looked in your directory, uh, Father, Son, and what's his name? <laughs> right? Because that's kind of how it is in some, some places, like Father, Son, oh yeah, and the Holy Spirit. Kind of like he, he, he's a tagline there. We're not here just to talk about, there's a lot of people that have knowledge of the Holy Spirit, uh, we just don't actually act it out. You can say, I'm a Spirit-filled church, but if the Holy Spirit is never moving, then are you? So these are just questions that I have to ask, and, and I want to cover about this because it's important, because uh, as we get into a series on the Holy Spirit, what we're doing is establishing a theology on the Holy Spirit. Does anybody like shudder at the thought of theology? Because when I say that, uh, anybody ever hear somebody say, well, I'm no theologian. And you, you've heard that. Uh, if you've used it, I'm sorry what I'm about to say, but usually when you say that, that means just simply means you're a bad one. Because I'm just going to say, everybody has a theology. So don't flinch over that word. I, I, I heard this the other day, and I thought it was so good. Uh, a good definition of theology is what you believe to be true about God. So whatever it is that you believe, that is your theology. Now let me just say, you could have a very bad theology of God, or you could have a very good one. So a good theology bases uh, everything on biblical information. Like everything that you believe is found in the Bible. A bad theology is when you hear people say things like, well, to me, God is like this. You know, he walks around with flowers and blows bubbles and, you know, and everybody's, he loves everybody. How many of you know that's bad theology? There's a lot of bad theology of what people, they kind of make up a God that is convenient for them that makes them feel good and acceptable, and yes, that's their theology. That's what they believe about God. And I just want to say, when I hear people making up their own idea of God, I just want to say, you know what? I don't really care. I don't care what that... I, what I want to know is what does the Bible say about God? What is God's Word? That's got to be our foundation. So over these next several weeks, and I don't even know when this is going to end. I, I am not as good as some pastors that are like, this week we're talking about this, this week we're going to talk about this. I don't even know what we're going to talk about next week, but I know it's going to be on the Holy Spirit. And, and eventually, last summer, if you guys were here, we covered all the fruits of the Spirit through last summer. Uh, this year, we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. So I think that's important for us. If you miss the fruits of the Spirit, all of that stuff is online. You better, you better have some fruit, amen? That's all I got to say. Uh, but what I want to start talking about is for us to get a biblical theology concerning the Holy Spirit. So not what you think, uh, not what has been taught to you, because how many of you know sometimes if you've been taught wrong, you've got to relearn? Anybody ever been taught something wrong? Right, and so you have to relearn that. So uh, what we want to know is what does the Bible say? What does God's Word say? And so the, I'm going to give you today three reasons why we talk about the Holy Spirit. And the first one is just simply because there's so many different theologies. There's so many different beliefs of what people believe about the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, many church traditions speak little to nothing about the Holy Spirit. 
How many of you know what I'm talking about? Hardly any mention, or maybe just like I said, a little tagline. That's why I said Father, Son, and what's his name, because a lot of people, they just, oh, yeah, the Holy Spirit, uh, yeah, he does this. I, I don't know what he does. I mean, you can ask a lot of people. But like I said, not all churches believe the same. We understand that, right? They do not have the same theology concerning the Holy Spirit. Now, let me say, most Christian churches have the same theology concerning Jesus. Most, well, if you're a Christian church, we all have that solid understanding. Jesus is the Son of God. He is God. He went to the cross for our sin. He died for that. The only way that we get into heaven is by accepting Him. So most churches are very solid when it comes to that. But after that, there's a variety of view. There are different theological camps, different uh, understandings. Here's the thing. Just because we have a few differences between churches, how many of you know that doesn't mean we have to disfellowship? Oh, you don't believe exactly like I do. No, if we believe in Jesus, how many of you know we believe in the main thing? Right? We have, we have unity there, but that doesn't mean that we have to have uniformity. Does that make sense? If you don't believe everything that I believe, then I can't uh, have fellowship with you. No, if you believe in Jesus, I believe in Jesus, we can have fellowship. Amen? There's going to be other things that we may not agree with. That's okay. Uh, I can, how many of you know this is an art I think our society is losing, is the ability to disagree without being disagreeable. Oh, I don't agree. Oh, what? You don't get to agree with me? Well, I'm going to defriend you on Facebook, whatever, you know. Uh, but the problem is when we allow our differences to separate us. But uh, uh, there was a time in America, and some of you guys will remember this, when uh, most people knew what each church believed based on the name on their sign. Right? If it was a Lutheran church, they kind of understood what they believed. If it was a Baptist church, they understood. If it was Presbyterian or Pentecostal or uh, whatever, or Mormon or Jehovah Witness, how many of you know they knew what they believed? And uh, uh, some people today might say, oh, I thought they were all Christians. Uh, uh, not everyone's a Christian. And I'm going to say this because a lot of people don't realize Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses are not Christian. They do not have the same theology on Jesus like the other ones. But uh, even if you don't understand the difference between all of those different denominations, uh, how many of you know you could sometimes look at the sign and figure it out, but that's not even the case today either. Because all of our signs are very generic too. Like, what's our church? Freedom Church, right? So uh, what, you won't know what we believe by looking at that. What about Foothills Church? Do you know what they believe? No, you don't, unless you go. I mean, if you just see the sign, Hills Church, do you have any idea what they believe? If you didn't know, if you haven't been there, District Church, uh, New Hope Church, uh, Green Valley Church, Solid Rock Faith Center, Bayside Church, Vantage Point Church, Vintage Grace. I just love that name, don't you? It's like, when you see the sign, you don't really know what they believe. Now, all of these churches Christian? Yes, they are. They have the same theological belief on Jesus, and uh, that means we're all getting to heaven together, amen? There's no division there, but there are some significant differences in some of the theology, especially when it comes to the Holy Spirit. There are some differences, and, and for some churches, uh, you're, you're going to have, like I said, you're going to have no idea. You're not even going to know by looking at their website. Because it has become a trend now to be as vague as possible on your beliefs 
so that, uh, so that you know, we, oh, everybody come. Uh, there was one church that I was looking at there saying, it says, just come and see basically what we believe. And I'm like, you know, I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be the church like, hey, I don't have any idea what you guys believe. Uh, we let people know who, who we are, what we believe. Do you have to agree with it 100%? Of course not. That's never going to happen. That rarely happens even in your own home, am I right? Right? Like, what do, we, what do you want to drink? I want this. What well, I want that. What do you want, on t- what do you want to watch on TV? Uh, remote control wars. Does anybody ever have those? So uh, people aren't raising their hand. Listen, I don't want to surprise people. I want people to know who we are, what, be- what we believe, what we teach. And I'm just going to say, I am not uh, ashamed of the Holy Spirit. I'm not afraid. I know I've heard people say, you know what? Oh, you're going to come to my church. Oh, my goodness. I hope it's a normal service. <laughs> How many of you know today was not a normal service? It should be normal, though. Holy Spirit does not scare people away. Listen, not being raised in a, you know, going to church and serving God like that. Uh, I remember going into an Assembly of God church and thinking, wow, this is kind of weird. But you know what I thought is that I got drawn in by the Holy Spirit. Right? I was like, I don't know what this is. It's a little weird. I don't know why people are raising their hand. You know, I don't know what language that person just spoke, but there's something that was there, and I know it was the Holy Spirit that was drawing me in. So I want to say, when you bring a visitor, I hope it's crazy. Right? I hope the Holy Spirit is moving because the Holy Spirit is the one that draws us. Doesn't the Scripture say that no man comes to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws him? So if you're saying, oh, Holy Spirit, keep it calm today, my friend's coming, right? Don't get crazy today, Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm like, get crazy, pull them in, Lord, because I want what God has, amen? Like I said, a lot of different theologies, that's why we, we teach on it. The other reason that I speak on the Holy Spirit often is because I believe that the infilling of the Holy Spirit is invaluable for believers today. Amen? We live in a world that is going like, I don't know if I'm going or gone off the edge already, right? That's debatable whether it's already there or it's already gone. We need the Holy Spirit. Amen? We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And and listen, if I just talked about him occasionally, just occasional reference every now and then, what I'm doing is minimizing his importance. Doesn't that make sense? If, if you just barely ever mention something, I mean, let me say, husbands, if you only tell your wife you love her once every decade, how many of you know there's a problem? You better mention it a whole lot more than that. So the Holy Spirit is so vital. Can I just ask, I want to try to get some feedback here. What were the last words of Jesus to his disciples before he ascended? What was that? Love one another. Any other thoughts? Huh? Yeah. See, I'm hearing several of them. I don't, I don't mean to like point out anyone. You know, a lot of times people think it's the Great Commission out of Matthew 28. Go into all the world, baptize them. But I'm here to kind of correct a little theology here. Matthew does not talk about the ascension of Jesus. If you look at it, read, read Matthew 28. The, the version, the gospel that does is Luke, and Luke and Acts are written by Luke. They're, they're two books that should be read side by side. So I don't know why they wrote, whoever put it in order, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, should be Matthew, Luke, or Matthew Mark, John, and then Luke. 
and then Acts, because those two go together right there. And look, this is found in Luke chapter 24, verse 49. He says, and now I will send, this is Jesus. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But look what he says. Stay, everybody say this one. Stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you or clothes you with power from on heaven. And then Jesus led them to Bethany. He lifted his hands to heaven. He blessed them. So technically his last words was his blessing over them. Uh, But the last recorded words that he had were, stay here. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Don't leave until you've been clothed with power. That was his last words. How many of you know last words are important? Right? We have somebody, what were the last things that they said? I mean, uh, Jesus, his last words were, hey, listen, I, yeah, I want you to go into all the world, but don't do it until you've been filled with that power. Amen? The Holy Spirit is important, and, and what I realize is the things that we focus on become our priority. Isn't that true? So if, I, if we rarely ever focus on the Holy Spirit, we're basically saying, well, you know what, that's not that important. The Holy Spirit, you're not that important. This is true in every area of your life. How many of you know if you focus on money too much, what kind of a person does that make you? Greedy, money hungry, materialistic, right? I mean, it's like money, money, money. I got to get it. I got to get it. Uh, If you focus, and this is in our world today, if you focus on sex a whole lot too much, you become perverted. Am I right? You become twisted on what your understanding of what sex is. Uh, If you focus only on your job, your job, my job, my job, my job, you become what? Yeah, a workaholic. If you focus on yourself too much and only you, yeah, there's an N word that that we say. You become narcissistic, right? And, And I was just thinking about that. How many of you know these things and social media doesn't really help that? Oh, let me take a picture of me here. Uh, How do I look over here? How about me right here, you know? And we just keep posting, you know, oh, it's all about me. So what we focus on really becomes our priority. I believe that's why the writer of Hebrews says, let us fix our eyes on whom? Jesus, Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Amen? We've got to get our eyes on him. Jesus, the more you focus on Jesus, the better follower of Jesus you're going to be. Isn't that true? I think that's why they came out with those bracelets. What would Jesus do? That's not a bad thing. I mean, people used to wear that. It's really just, how, God, how can I focus more on you? But here's the thing. Jesus tells us something interesting. He's like, he says this in John 14. If you love me, you're going to obey what my command. And then he tells them to stay in Jerusalem until, right? Isn't that a command? He didn't say, hey, listen, you know what? If you don't have nothing else going on, just hang out here. No, that's one of his commands is to stay until you receive that power. And then he goes on and he says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. So let me just kind of set the picture here. Jesus knew that his time on earth was short. He's been with his followers, these disciples, for a little over three years. He knows that he's getting ready to leave, and uh, he's trying to prepare them because he's been their rabbi. He's been their uh, one that they're following, and, you know, you kind of get upended when the person you're following is gone. Am I right? Especially they were. And in verse 18, he tells them, hey, listen, I'm not going to leave you guys as orphans. 
So he's preparing them, and, uh, and this word counselor here, the Greek word is uh, uh, parakletos, maybe you've heard that, and it literally means one that comes alongside of you. That's exactly, think about it. Jesus has been with these guys for three and a half years. That's who he has been with them. He's come alongside of them in every situation that they're at. Sometimes this word is translated uh, helper. Jesus was their helper for those three and a half years. He was their counselor. He was their advocate. He was their encourager. He was their mediator. Jesus was all of those things to the disciples, wasn't he? But check this out. Uh, when it says that, he says, I'm going to give you another counselor. That word another, just the fact that there's another means that there was a first. Am I right? That another means that there was one that came before him, and Jesus was their parakletos. Jesus was the one that was there that came alongside, and now he's leaving. And that word another actually has, there's two different words in the uh, Greek that can be translated into another. One is alos, which means another of the same kind. The other is heteros, another of a different or opposite kind. And so the word that is used here is alos. It's another of the same kind, meaning it's somebody exactly like me. Not like, and I know Joshua, I could have him up here. Hey, listen, I'm going, but I'm going to have another guy speaking for me. He is not exactly like me. I know he's my son, but he is not like me. Everything, I mean, his, his, the way his brain works is different, the things that he knows, his personality. Uh, so he is not this to me. He's more like that. He's another of a different kind, right? Uh, so Jesus is saying, listen, I'm going to send you one that's exact. And this is important to understand because when we're talking about a theology of the Holy Spirit, a lot of people think, oh, Father, there's Son, and then there's Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is exactly and 100% God as much as the Son is and as much as the Father is. Right? There's no lesser degree of Godhood uh, in the Godhead. They're all the same. So, uh, and Jesus is telling, his, as Jesus was to his disciples, that's who the Holy Spirit is to us. Let me, let me go back to right there. Uh, the Holy Spirit is our helper now. He is our counselor. He is our advocate. He is our encourager. He is our mediator. He is the one who comes alongside of us. Like when life is difficult and challenging and all of that, God sent his Holy Spirit to empower us and be with us. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that? I mean, listen, that's, that's why I'm saying, that's why I cover this stuff a lot. Uh, there are a lot of lessons to learn in the Bible, am I right? There's a lot of truth that I think needs to be discovered and covered. There's a lot of commands that are given throughout the scriptures that we need to talk about. But I want to tell you that you're not going to be able to do any of that by your own energy and by your own strength. You need that foundation of the Holy Spirit in your life if you're going to ever walk in the way that God has called you to walk. Amen? Amen. So that's why we cover. That's why our focus becomes our pri priority. Yes, we focus on Jesus, but Jesus is saying, hey, listen, don't leave until you get this power here. The third reason that I want to talk about the Holy Spirit is because there are many followers of Christ that love God. Hear me. Love God, but they're living with less than what God has offered. Does that make sense? Uh, I, I heard this, uh, this story years ago, and it was a guy that was traveling from like Europe to, uh, 
America on a ship, and he only had enough money for the fare. It was like it was, he was pinching pennies, and so he's like, man, I don't have the money for the food, so I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to bring me some crackers and stale bread or whatever, and that's what I'm going to eat. And uh, this, this trip took several weeks as it's going across. This was way back. And uh, somebody finally came out because he could look through the dining room and see everybody eating and having this amazing meal. And it's like, dude, why are you sitting out here eating? Because yeah, that's how they used to talk a couple hundred years ago, right? Why are you out here eating these crackers? There's this, all this food in here. It's amazing. And he's like, listen, I only had enough money for the, uh, to, for the fare. And he gave him this surprise. He's like, did you not realize that the fare included all of this food? Amen. So coming to Christ includes everything. God promised. There's a lot of people that love God, following God, but they're out there eating crackers when God is saying, my Holy Spirit is available to you. Amen? Amen? That's actually number three there. Many believers are living without that empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It's just true. Let me give you three reasons. I'm not going to go too much longer, but I'm going to give you three reasons. Uh, hey, listen, the Holy Spirit interrupted my message, and I'll let him do that anytime. Amen? I mean, especially when I'm speaking on the Holy Spirit, right? So anyway, uh, three reasons why people live below that. Number one, I believe there's a lot of people that are just searching. They want everything that God has for them. Like, Holy Spirit, I want you in my life. I want to be filled by you. And if you're on that journey, I would encourage you, keep seeking. I don't know why it is that some people can, can seek and get filled with the Holy Spirit instantly. Some people I've known have taken years and I, uh, if I could dissect and figure it out, I would write a book and make millions of dollars, but I don't know why. I think most of the time it's overcoming mental blocks in your own mind. Maybe you got taught wrong. Maybe it's like, oh, this, who knows? There, it's overcoming that some of the time and just receiving it, uh, but there are a lot of people that are seeking. Others, there's another that don't, they just have rejected that. Like, oh, no, the Holy Spirit doesn't do that anymore. That was just for the first century. Uh, let me tell you, Jesus went on to say this. He goes, the world cannot accept him, referencing the Holy Spirit, because it neither sees him nor knows him. They don't have that understanding. There's a lot of people that uh, don't understand. And you're saying, Pastor, are you saying that churches forbid people to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, because it's not on my agenda. You know, it's too messy. You try to have somebody give a word or a tongue or, or even, you know, praying, praying for the healing. Uh, not that a lot of churches would forbid that. They're like, okay, we'll let healing, but none of the weird stuff, right? You can't do that. Listen, they do not try that. Try it in another church and see what happens, you know. They'll look at you like a freak and ask you to not come back the next week. So uh, uh, they just don't believe it. They're not going to allow that. Uh, they won't allow prophecy. They won't allow words of wisdom. They won't allow knowledge, words of knowledge. Uh, like I said, I'm going to cover over these over the next several weeks so that we can have an understanding of how the gifts of the Spirit help us and help the body, right? Help us draw closer to Him, amen? There's a lot of people, they're okay with some, let me repeat, some of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know the Holy Spirit does a whole lot more than one or two things, right? They're okay with the fact of hearing, oh, well, he seals us for salvation. That's found in, uh, oh, well, I skipped over this here. Uh, I do believe this. When you limit the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you have, in a sense, rejected the Holy Spirit. 
If I say, Holy Spirit, you can only operate here in this way, in this fashion, and the Holy Spirit is saying, oh, wait a minute, I want to heal a man that's been seeking healing. I want to heal a marriage. I mean, that was part of the word that came out today. Well, no, you can't do that. Then guess what happens? We're rejecting part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And like I said, they can be comfortable with some of it. Like I said, the, the ceiling for salvation, 1 Corinthians says, My dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy, but don't forbid speaking in tongues. I am jumping way ahead of my message here. That's churches that are forbidding the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, but here's the ones that we're, most churches are okay with this. He set a seal of ownership on us, putting his Spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Amen. The moment you get saved, hear my voice, the moment you get saved, there is a deposit of the Holy Spirit that goes inside of you. Amen? But that is not the same as the baptism of the Holy Spirit, okay? That's another ministry. Uh, a lot of churches will say, well, he empowers you. They have, but they don't have any idea how. Like, okay, he empowers me how? All right? How does, how does that take? Last week I spoke about how when you pray in the Holy Spirit that he empowers you to build yourself up right? Spiritually, how he helps you to pray for other people when you don't have the words to pray for them. Listen, I, I don't want to be the church that just tells you that the Holy Spirit empowers you without telling you how. We need to know how. And so I told you why many followers of Christ live without the empowerment. Uh, some are searching, some are just outright rejected. But I think uh, a lot more fall into this third category. They just don't know. All right, how many of you know you don't know what you don't know? Isn't that profound? Right, wow, you know what? I didn't know that. But it's true. If you don't know, you don't know. And listen, there's scriptural backing for this, this, this thought, line of thought in the book of Acts. In uh, book, Acts chapter 18, it says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker, knew the scriptures well, had arrived. And I got this in red because I just want you to remember he's in Ephesus, Okay. From Alexandria, he had been taught the way of the Lord. He taught others uh, about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. How many of you know that is a good resume for a new pastor? Am I right? Like, think about it. An eloquent speaker, you don't want somebody that stumbles over their words like me sometimes. Right? You want some, yeah, elegant, knew the scriptures well. Look at this, knew the way, was educated about the way of the Lord, got his, his doctrine and divinity. Uh, he taught others about G uh, Jesus with enthusiasm. He didn't just like, turn to your Bibles in John. You know, how many, anybody ever been bored by? Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Enthusiast and with what? Accuracy. I mean, that sounds awesome. He's, he's willing to travel, uh, obviously support his work, sacrifice for the kingdom. Not only that, Apollos was highly regarded by the church. He's right up there with Peter and Paul as uh, well-known traveling ministers that are, that are there. How do we know this? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, when Paul's trying to address division in the church, look at the people he uses as a comparison. Some of you are saying, I'm a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter, or I follow only Christ. He's using somebody that everybody knows. Apollos was very popular. Everybody knew him and, you know, because he was a great speaker. How many of you know that's true in today's world? 
If somebody is a great speaker, I mean, they got their TV, they can rent a stadium out, and everybody's coming to see them. We, wanna, we love the Apollos of our day, don't we? Because they are great speakers. But check this out. Back to Acts uh, 18. So he taught others with Jesus uh, with an enthusiastic spirit, with accuracy. However, everybody say however. He only knew about John's baptism. So let me stop there. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. Like when you get water baptized, that's a baptism of repentance right there, symbolizing your repentance from sin and turning to Jesus, right? So, so that's happening, and immediately after, there's a couple in the crowd that's listening to him named Priscilla and Aquila. They heard him preaching boldly, thinking, wow, this guy's good. And in the sense, they took him aside and explained the way of God. What? Okay, I don't know. He already said that he was teaching accurately, am I right? So how can you be more accurate than accurate? Think about it. Is it possible, Josh? Can you be accurate or be more accurate? Because he's a numbers guy. Uh, like if I said four plus four is eight, is that accurate? How could I be more accurate? All right, I don't want to hear it, so <laughs> told you he's a math guy, so uh, listen, you can't be more accurate than when you're already accurate, but here's what Apollos was accurate at. He was accurate with teaching people about Jesus. So what he's saying is that your theo- Apollos' theology concerning Jesus was right on. It was spot on. He understood the scripture. He understood all of that. But what he didn't know was John's baptism. He didn't understand that. He'd never been taught that. Listen, if you've never been taught, you've never been taught. I mean, that makes sense right there. Uh, it's a, it's a, he, like I said, he's an amazing preacher. Didn't know that. And it's evident by some of the converts that he had in Ephesus, which we're going to look at. So let's look at what happens. They taught him even more accurately. And uh, he didn't understand this. He understood John's baptism. I baptize with water so that repent of their sin, but someone is coming soon, greater than I am, so much greater, not even worthy to be a slave or carry his sandals. He will baptize you with what? All right. So that is where he's at. So he, Apollos, at this point, now he's been educated more accurately. Now he has a good theology on Jesus, and now he has an accurate theology concerning the Holy Spirit. And so now he's going to go to Acacia. The brothers and sisters in Ephesus, where he's been at, encouraged him to go. And uh, you can uh, read the rest of that. Uh, he goes over there and does that. Uh, but now... What about uh, uh, go to chapter 19? This is immediate left. As soon as 18 is over, 19, it says, Apollos was in Corinth. Now Paul traveled throughout the interior region until he reached where? So who just left Ephesus? Apollos. And now uh, Paul's there, and he finds several believers. So if you're a believer, that means you're saved. Am I right? If you're a believer, do you have that deposit of the Holy Spirit in you? Yes, you do. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, even if you don't even realize it. I mean, I'm just going to tell you, when I accepted Jesus as my Savior, I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. I didn't know that the Holy Spirit took up residence in my life. Did you guys know that? 
I didn't know that. All I know is I surrendered my life to Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit was there. But look at what Paul says. He found several believers, and he says to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Isn't that an interesting question? Because if your theology on the Holy Spirit is that the only thing the Holy Spirit does is seal you for salvation, why would Paul have asked that question? Because he already knew, well, they're already believers. They already have the Holy Spirit. So why is he asking that other than Paul must have meant a different ministry of the Holy Spirit other than being sealed for salvation? Does that make sense? He's talking about something that a lot of people have dismissed because they either don't know or they don't want to go there, right? And so what was their response? Did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they said this, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. I'm just going to tell you, that was me. Right? When I got saved as a teenager, I'm like, I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. Holy Spirit? What's Holy Spirit? Oh, oh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I, di- I didn't know what he did, but he came. And it wasn't until I got into a place where I started having an understanding that the Holy Spirit does more than just seal me for salvation. Amen? He empowers me. And, and here's the thing. Why did they only know John's baptism? Why did they? I mean, that's what they said. Uh, he, said, he asked them, what baptism did you experience? The baptism of John. Guess what? The only reason they knew John's baptism is because that's what their previous teacher had taught them. Right? Who was their previous teacher? Apollos, right? When he preached there, and it's not like he slighted them on teaching the Holy Spirit for any reason other than the fact that he didn't know. Nobody had told him. He couldn't give out what he didn't have. And so just as Priscilla and Aquila went and taught Apollos more accurately, guess what? Now Paul is going to teach them more accurately. Well, great, you're saved. You know Jesus. Uh, You got a theology there. But I want to tell you, Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem until you've been endued with power on high. Amen? So uh, he tells them, Uh, John's baptism called for repentance, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard it, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And check this out. When Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. They spoke in other tongues and prophesied, and there were about 12 men in all. Amen? That's Holy Spirit baptism. Let me just say, because I don't want to sound like I'm superior or not. I don't think Priscilla and Aquila acted like they were superior. There's just a lot of people that don't know. They don't know the things that God has offered them. They understand salvation. And let me just say this. If salvation is all that God offered, how many of you know that was enough? I'm thankful for that. But God's like, you know what? I'm not just going to save you. I'm going to empower you to live this life. I'm not going to just tell you to love your neighbor. I'm going to show you how to do it. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit power on the inside to actually love your neighbor, to actually forgive those that do wrong against you, to actually go to to somebody that doesn't know the Lord, lay hands on them, pray for them, see them healed, give them a word of encouragement, a word of knowledge that is beyond your own mind. Amen? He wants to help us to do the things that he's called. Going into all the world, let me tell you, that's scary. If you go with the Holy Spirit, how many of you know you can, you can see amazing things happen? 
Amen? I, I, I think I've probably shared this with some of you guys, but not every, all of you have heard it. I remember, uh, anybody ever hear C. Peter Wagner? A couple of you guys. Uh, there was a time that he was in one of the churches that didn't believe in all this stuff about the Holy Spirit. And he was a missionary in Central America, and he goes, man, he goes, I was preaching and preaching, working for two years just to get a couple of converts. And he goes, and then these Pentecostals come in. He goes, they set up a big crusade. He goes, hundreds of people show up getting healed, delivered from demonic spirits, all of these things. He goes, and then, then when they left, he goes, there was a church of 200 people there. He goes, I was mad, <laughs> right? Because he was preaching truth, but it's like, what happened? The power of the Holy Spirit is what happened, amen? The Holy Spirit makes us better than we are. I can't heal anybody. I mean, if you come up for prayer, I can lay hands on you and pray for you, but it's not going to be me. How many of you know it's the Holy Spirit through us? The Holy Spirit through us. So a lot of people today, they're great preachers and pastors all over our world that are just like Apollos. They teach accurately about Jesus, enthusiasm, way of the Lord, have big biceps and all of those amazing things, right? Like, I don't think that's in the list, but... Uh, know the scriptures well, have many people that are converts to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for every one of them. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for all of them. But I believe that sometimes they have shortchanged the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and not on purpose, it's just because they don't know. They've been taught one way, and uh, I don't know why I would apologize about going over. I mean, it's like, I'd rather go over and have the Holy Spirit moving like he did earlier any day, Amen. <laughs> Do you realize in Africa there are services that go four, five, six hours? Amen? So uh, <laughs> that's the Holy Spirit moving, baptizing us, filling us with His fullness. Amen? And so what I'm going to, my prayer is that as we go through this series that there will be a hunger. Maybe you're already filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, you can get refilled. Right? In Acts chapter 4, it's like these people that got filled with the Holy Spirit, they got threats, they got all of these things. Don't talk in the name of Jesus. And what did they do? They went back to the Lord and, the, and, it's, and they prayed and they said, Oh God, give us boldness. Give us boldness. How many of you know the church today needs boldness to speak the name of Jesus? Because there's a world out there that's wanting to cancel uh, anything that has to do with God. Right? Don't talk about God. Don't talk about this or we're going to cancel you. We're going to call you a bigot. We're going to call you a, a homophobe or any of these names that we can think of. And it's like it's working on a lot of people. And so I say, Holy Spirit, we need more boldness. We need more boldness. And it's not me just like, Ooh, I'm going to do it. No, we need the Holy Spirit to rise up on the inside of us. Amen? We need the Holy Spirit. So uh, can I have everybody stand? I want to ask you the question, because I don't know where everybody's at, and, uh, and the people that, that we have pray for people, can you guys come up? I know Pat and Sean and James, Robin and Nick, and I think, are Deborah, are you in here? Yeah, you're back there. Uh, I just want, we're going to take a few minutes, okay? Hey, listen, if you got to go, I understand, all right? Uh, but can I ask you the same question Paul asked those believers? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? 
I'm not trying to make you like anything other than like God, what God has for each and every one of us. He's got his Holy Spirit that he wants to empower us with. And you know what? We've got to come to him. So you can receive the Holy Spirit where you're at. You can come up here, have somebody pray for you if you want. Like I said, you may be driving your car, have some worship time. Make, it some, make that a priority in your life. God, I want everything that you have. So we're just going to take a few minutes. And if you want to come up for prayer, then, then let's do that. Amen.